Today, we're going to start this new series. Uh, well, not, it's part of the continuing series of our summer series on how to. And I was thinking, I was just trying to, I'd ask everybody, what do you guys think we should uh, talk about? Nobody gave me any ideas. So I said, Lord, what would you have me uh, talk about? And he said, well, talk about something. This was an audible voice, of course. And he sounded like James Earl Jones. He said, Mike, Mark, um, he said, uh, you, I want you to do something that will actually help people, something that's relevant. And I'm just thinking, okay, we look around our culture and we see what's going on and you know, our kids are, are seeing things on TV and there's some things we need to talk about, things that we need to explain to them. And so that's where we came up with the four things that we're going to talk about here this, mor- this month. And I'll get to those in just a second. But today we're going to talk about how to be sameless. Sameless. Now, I know sameless is not a word for you English teachers, and I know I drive April crazy every time I use a word that does not exist, but that's okay because it's a short drive for April. And anyway, so uh, sameless, just we're going to use that uh, because it, it goes along with the other words of blameless, shameless, and tameless. Uh, but sameless is just this idea where we're not all the same, you know, we're not all the same. But then again, we are the same. And so how do we figure all that out, especially in light of the problem or the issue that we have facing us today called race relations? And I thought there's no better illustration for race relations than M&Ms. M&Ms. Do you know why? Do you know why M&Ms are the perfect illustration for, M&M, for race relations? Okay, they're all different colors, but what? They're all the same inside. That's absolutely right. So let's all say that together. They're all different colors, but they're all the same inside. Now, because uh, that kind of uh, reflects what it is that we are, and when we talk about race, you can throw all the political arguments in. You can do all the, the nationalistic arguments in. You can talk about curses and all this kind of stuff. But when you break it right, when you break everything down to their their Uh, most elemental thing it is even though we might look a little bit different on the outside when it comes to our soul we're all the same on the inside and the thing that the 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 thing that should that should help us with is that as Christians as we know that and God's not only put that in our hearts from the very beginning when he talked about creation but the thing that we should know about then is that we should not have any kind of fear about this issue Because we understand it clearly and fully. And with this presidential election looming, we're going to be bombarded. I mean, we're going to be bombarded with all kinds of people trying to suggest that we have to segregate our thinking into one school of thought or the other. And they're going to compel us to vote for a specific candidate based upon those segregated thoughts. Because only one candidate is going to be able to fix this problem of race relations that we have in our country that's being emphasized by every uh, sport that we turn on these days, every uh, commercial that we see, every advertisement getting on board trying to help us see how, the, the, how we can solve this race relation problem. But the important question for us is where can we really turn for wisdom to guide us in the decisions that we make? You kids haven't eaten any of that. You're not eating those M&Ms, are you? All right, don't eat them yet. Just I'm still, I'm still torturing you with that. Huh? Oh, she'll be roared in here in just a second. Hang on, Nora. 
And if you want to slip Nora to that, that's fine. We want Nora to be happy. Okay. So if we really want wisdom to guide us, uh, we, we need to turn to something that can actually help us. And few will think of turning to their Bibles for such wisdom. But in reality, God has already spoken over this coming election, and we must determine whether or not we're listening to him. Now, it's not that he's telling us to to elect a a particular candidate or anything like that, because what's more important than the candidates are really the issues that face us as a people. And you can get bogged down in arguing about the characteristics and the qualities of the candidates, and then we lose out on the greater argument, and that is the character of our nation and what we stand for as a people. So we really need to turn to God because God is the one who says that he can heal the land. He's the one that says that he can bring people together. God says that he's the one that can offer salvation. And it's not something that we can do. So as I said, God's already spoken over this issue. We just need to figure out what it is. But you might be thinking that the Bible offers no insight into the troubling issues we're facing as a people. They're too complex. You know, the Bible doesn't talk about the stuff we have to deal with. You might, str- you might struggle finding wisdom found in Scripture to help us wade through like our current race war issues. Or watch the destructive riots setting our major cities ablaze and wonder, will it ever get close to home? Or uh, wonder if the rights of others are being infringed by those who are in power. Or maybe you're wilting under the religious persecution that is pressuring Christians to be silent. But the Word of God is living and active, and it is the perfect tool to help us pierce these issues of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. I mean, it can cut right to the heart of every issue. As a matter of fact, if, it, if that isn't the primary source of our wisdom on such issues... In other words, if we're not turning to the scripture to help us figure out how we should vote and how we should view these things that we're going through in life, then we are in danger of contributing to the delinquency of our culture and leaving behind a legacy of hollow philosophy that will not serve the interests of our grandchildren. This morning as I was doing my, I was walking this morning and praying and I was listening to David Horowitz's book again about the, the attack on Christians in our culture and country. And I got to thinking because he asked this question about what will this community, what will our country look like for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren? And it seems like there, is, there has been a tradition where people wanted to pass along something that was strong and great and true But now the current generations just want to get everything they can out of it, and they don't really care about the consequences for anyone else. But for us as believers, it's got to be our primary concentration, our primary focus is how can we pass along the legacy to our children and grandchildren that will serve them, and and we know that the only thing that will serve them well is if they remain faithful to the Lord. So this month, as we continue our how-to summer series, we will revisit the stories of Ham, Sham, and Japheth, and Abraham, and Zerubbabel, and Jesus, 
which we considered in our Luke 3 and Me series, to challenge us to be sameless, blameless, shameless, and tameless. Now I want this to flow off your tongue and your mind like mine. So repeat after me, sameless, sameless. blameless, blameless. Shameless, shameless, and tameless. All right, you try Some of you got it right. Let's try it again. Sameless, blameless, shameless, and tameless. Now, all of these things we're going to talk about in the context of those Old Testament stories that we have read about and stated about already. We must recognize that what we are doing here, understand that the Bible teaches us about racial diversity because we are sameless. And we must recognize that the riots which threaten our national peace can only be calmed when we are blameless. And it is extremely important we realize that in the battle over our rights, we must be shameless. And if we are to comprehend the purpose of our religion, we must also strive to be tameless. So let's use our Eminem illustration and begin examining our idea of racial divide. Okay, kids, here we go. I want each of you, oh, by the way, teenagers, we're getting teenagers here today. If you're a teenager, this is a taste test. I need you to come up and get a little cup here that's got one of each of the M&Ms, one of each of the M&Ms. And after service today, if there are any M&Ms left in our thing, you can come get your own cup of double dip, although all the yellows are almost gone, all the browns are almost gone. But come on up, teenagers. Uh, there's uh, get you a, a cup there, and then I'll need uh, I'll need a, you know five or six adults to volunteer to do this taste test as well. Any adults do this? Come on up and get you. You don't have to raise your hand. Just come on up and get you a cup. Actually, I have a bunch here, so as many as there are, uh, you can take. Come get one. Um, there's one of each color, so you know we're not being a we're not being racist or anything like that, so we're trying to be fair and equitable. We've got a few more up here. Don't be bashful. It's going to be a long sermon, so you'll need a snack. All right. We still have some up here if you want some. I mean, I got, I've got five cups up here, so the last five people would run up here and get some. All right. Come on up. I've got three cups. Now, I got, I got, I got... Two cups up here. Two, two. Do I hear one? Do I hear Okay, here we go. So here's what I want you to do. Now, this is important, okay? For you who have the little cup, you already have this ability to do it. But for you kids, I want you to take one color out of your, your big cups and put them in your hand, okay? And then set your other ones aside. Make sure you have one of each. Now, you have the other cup that has one of each, okay? Now, you have to be honest with me here, but I'll need you to close your eyes, close your eyes, then I want you to eat an, each of those M&Ms and then try to tell me which color they were on the outside, just by the taste of the M&M. Don't cheat. Close your eyes when you do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. This is our taste test. Eyes closed. Each one, you're going to tell me, figure out if you know, if you can figure out what the different colors on the outside are. Go ahead. And some will tell you, they'll swear that they can tell, but you, you let me know. How are we doing on it? 
Keep working on it. Don't, don't cheat. Mmm. So we've had biscuits and gravy already, and then we got some snacks here in the middle, and James is going to have some chicken afterwards, so, man, you could, you'd be all set today. All right. <laughs> all right, so far, how we doing? Has any been, have you really been able to tell the difference in the color on the outside by what you're tasting on the inside? Anybody tell? Yes, he fooled Pastor Mike. That's right. He got extra M&Ms out of that one. Okay, so we did the test, and what did we discover? They all taste the same because they all have what on the inside? The same thing, chocolate. Now, they look a little... You got them right. Okay, Samuel's a savant. So if you, when you do this test, and people will swear that the blue ones taste different. You can go online and look at this, and they'll swear the blue ones taste different. But according to uh, what M&M's, uh, the, the, the people who make M&M's say, uh, you, can, you can't tell what, the, what they are just if, you, if you're being honest about when you taste them because they're exactly the same on the inside. And if you have a very, very sharp palate, you might be able to distinguish between the dyes that are in the outside color uh, uh, candy coating but otherwise now you cannot tell because it's all the same on the inside now the reason that this is important is because when we're talking about this it's important for us to remember that when God made us he made us like M&Ms and when he made us that way and it kind of changed over you know, a period of time because, as we'll talk about Sham, Ham, and Japheth and their story and what that means for us, it kind of developed into how God spread us all over the world, gave us all kinds of different looks. But on the inside, we're all still his children. We're all made in his image. NBA player Jonathan Isaac was one of two who refused to kneel during the national anthem this last week when the NBA began their new season there, I think they're all in like in one place in Orlando. I, I don't watch it. So when I read this story, the reason it caught my attention is because he was being made fun of because later he was, he, he was injured during the game. And so an ESPN writer uh, was doing a survey in which he thought he was saying, do you think it was funny, funny, that he did not kneel for at the, during the national anthem and then got hurt like it's some kind of karma thing that was happening. Now, he refused to kneel. He was one of two players out of the whole league, and he also refused to wear the Black Lives Matter shirt as the NBA began its new season. And there was a reason for that. And I want you to, the reason that, that I think that it's important is that I want you to understand why he did it. He said... I believe, and this is a black player, by the way, says, I believe that black lives matter. A lot went into my decision, and part of it is, I thought that kneeling or wearing black lives matter t-shirt doesn't go hand in hand with support, supporting black lives. So, I felt like just me personally, what is that I believe is taking on a stance that I do believe that black lives matter, but I just felt like it was a decision that I had to make, and I didn't feel like putting the shirt on and kneeling went hand in hand with supporting black lives. He said, I believe that for myself, my life has been supported by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and everyone is made in the image of God, 
and that we all forge through God's glory, right? Now, you take some guy, and you, he really had to have some uh, guts to do that, and he was made fun of, and he was mocked. But Mr. Isaac has helped Christians understand what the Bible teaches us about racial diversity and how we're to apply the sameless principle of Scripture. We are not all the same. That is self-evident truth. I mean, if I look out at this group of people, I'd say, hey, there's Aaron. Aaron Ayet. How do I know that's Aaron Ayet? Because it looks like Aaron Ayet. It doesn't look like Zoe or Lydia or whatever it calls Zoe Lydia today. Zidia. All right. So we all look a little. It's self-evident that we look different on the outside. But I know as I look out here, the reason that we gather is because we all believe in Christ. We're all made in his image and we're all children of God. Amen. So Mr. Isaac has helped us understand that we're not all the same. That is the self-evident truth. But we all fail in the same way before God and we need his salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Our offense is against his glory intended for us. But what mankind has done is it has exploited our differences by segregating people groups by valuation. Now, when I say the word people group, you can assign that to races, but people groups just, re just represents all the different kinds of people groups that we have had developed around the world. Now, because we're not all the same and because the, there are people who segregate groups by valuation, what happens is we say, we start to say in modern context, well, one race is superior to another. Or that whites are better than blacks or that blacks are better than whites. And when we get into that argument, we fall into the pattern of the world, which is about exploitation and using people. But God dealt with this simply by saying, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But currently we have those who elevate the lives of one color over the other to such an extent that it is expected of them to kneel to the concept or concern to show their guilt and shame for something other people have done in the past. But how do Christians who aren't supposed to play the game of guilt and shame respect those who are not the same? The Bible gives us the answers. Our how-to question this week is based upon the lives of Sam, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And it'll help us answer that question. Genesis chapter 9, verse 4, and then verse 9 says this. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. In verse 9, and for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting for every animal and for each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans' blood, there, by humans shall their blood be shed. For, listen, in the image of God has God made mankind. And as for you, you be fruitful and increase in number and multiply in the earth and increase upon it. 
This was after the flood, after everything was destroyed, every man, woman, and child. You just had Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives, and Noah and his wife. And they're, they're charged here to fill the earth. And we forget God's the one who created all that we have here on this earth. And when he sent them out to be fruitful and multiply, he did so to increase upon the face of the earth the population of people. And all of those people are made in the image of God because God has made mankind, people kind, humankind. I don't want to sound sexist this morning. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. This was always the truth from the perspective of God, but not always the practice of his creation. As slavery and sacrifice of others became commonplace in virtually every culture, civilized or uncivilized, since that time. We still have those who are slaves today. We still have those who are sacrificed as lesser than commodities of those empowered over them. And anytime we see that, we should say that's not what God intended. But Jesus came to resolve this issue once and for all. And he did so by bringing about reconciliation. Now, you know what reconciliation means. It means that people are at odds with one another and they reconcile. They become one again. But we must remember that it can only be achieved through him, Christ, based upon the facts and evidence found in Colossians 3, verse 9 through 14, which says, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Listen. But Christ is all and is in all. This is a reaffirmation of what God said in Genesis 9. Christ is all and he is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The only way for us to have perfect unity, the only way for us to have real reconciliation is for all of us to recognize our failure before God and our need for Christ to save us and make us whole. Our duty as believers, like Jonathan Isaac, is to point people to the gospel and the salvation and peace that it brings. And we have to use that as our platform to encourage and help other people. To fail to do so just makes us carrying on the other empty philosophies that are a part of this world. Now, the three things I want you to learn real quick. First of all, sameless people, sameless people group perspective. Or the first thing I want you to learn is the sameless people group perspective. And that is that God orchestrated all the diversities in people groups so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. From the very beginning of creation, after the destruction and then him, his uh, his mandate to Shem, Ham, and David to go fill the earth, 
God was part of orchestrating all of that. And our, our M&M illustration this morning was orchestrated by M&M's. Thanks, M&M's. Appreciate that. Now, I would have been able to do the illustration, but they orchestrated all of this. They built a factory, and they put all these M&M's in bags. And, yeah, and I really appreciate that. Appreciate M&M's doing that. God has done that, too. And then they disseminated these M&M's. Do you know you can go anywhere in the world and find M&M's? Just about anywhere in the world. I, you know, I, you say, except for the North Pole. I knew there'd be a smartic out there saying, yeah, but what about Antarctica? All right, so you can virtually go to any store in the world and find some version of, of an M&M. You can even go into, into England at the, what they call it, Piccadilly Square, and they have an M&M's shop. Doesn't that sound exciting? You can go, get an, you can go in and buy every color of M&M imaginable. And now they do have variations of M&M's, right? I know, there's the peanut and the almond and uh, the peanut butter, sorry. And then they've got this new ones out. What's the new one? Caramel. Caramel. Oh, man. Okay. So you have all these different variations. But we think, it, we think because they disseminate that. This, this is what God did. He created us and he made us all the same, but then he gave us a little variation on the outside. And he did that for his reasons. So our responsibility is to direct our hearts and the hearts of others towards him. Because anytime someone is unhappy with their race or their color or their whatever, it's easy for us to blame and shame other people. But as Jonathan Isaac did, he says the answer is found in Christ who reminds us that we're all one in him. And that he has solved the problems that were created. Two diverse things can be true at the same time. We can all be kind of different on the outside and be the same on the inside. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 31, gives us the outline of how God spread us out and for what reasons. He says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands, and God did this so they would seek Him and per perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He's not very far from any one of us. This verse reminds us that even though God spread the people throughout all the world, every people group has always had the opportunity to reach out and find Him. He has provided a way for them to do so. Acts goes on to say, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, we are all his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And that man is who? Jesus Christ. So we must repent. God set us out. He put us out there in the world. Times, place, boundaries, colors, the different people groups that we are. That's all part of God's orchestration in this world. 
And he did that so that in every instance, people would seek him and reach out for him. But not everyone did. And it did have an impact on the world as a whole. There's always someone who's not going to want to follow and they're going to want to cause trouble. Has any, anybody, the, uh, the Trolls World Tour movie, has anyone seen that one? Anybody here seen it? Okay, good. Um, you haven't seen it? You said you've seen it? All right. Uh, you you fact-check me on this, okay, because I haven't seen it. But according to uh, the, the thing that I found, the storyline is this, that Branch and Poppy discover that they are but one of six different troll tribes scattered over six different lands devoted to six different kinds of music. Folk, country, techno, classical, pop, and rock. Their world, which, by the way, which land would you live in, do you think? Think about that. Funk, country, techno, classical, pop, or funk would be mine for sure, right? I know that's what you're thinking. Their world is about to get a lot bigger and a whole lot louder. A member of the Hard Rock Royalty, Queen Barb, aided by their, her father, King Thrash, wants to destroy all other kinds of music to let rock reign supreme. And with the fate of the world at stake, Poppy and Branch, along with their friends, set out to visit all the other lands to unify the trolls in harmony against Barb, who's looking to upstage them all. That sound about right? Let me ask you a question. Did Barb win or Poppy and Branch win in the movie? Don't I, we just spoil it for us. It's Poppy and Branch. Okay. So here you go. They save the world even though we're all different. So all you have to do is go as far as the Trolls movie to realize that we all kind of divide ourselves up in different ways. And someone is always going to say we're superior and we're going to take over and make everyone be just like us. But what God teaches us is that we're all the same in our sin. We've all been lost. We've all fallen short. And we need to repent. And the only thing that can save us is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That brings us to our sameless people group problem. God ordered the lives of all the people groups in such a way to take care of their needs but he never ordered their hearts to be obedient to him. He gave them free will. So we must define their need for him. All right, another illustration. You kids, you all had some, you ready for some more M&Ms, you grade school kids? Did you, does anybody have any orange ones left? All right, I demand that you eat the orange ones because they're my favorite. Eat, the, eat an orange one right now. Orange is my, you have any orange ones in your cup? Did you eat them all? You ate them all already. They're my favorite. They're my, I, I, I wanted uh, pink M&M's, but I was like, I'm going to have to go with orange. All right. I still have some second favorite. All right. Eat an orange M&M. Did you, Zoe, you got an orange M&M? Okay. Eat some orange M&M. Because I think every M&M in the world should be orange. Why? Because I love orange, and I think orange is the only M&M that should do. Kids, you really, my grandkids know what my favorite color is. What is it? Orange. And orange is the best color, and it tastes the best, it looks the best, it is the best. Orange is the best. And okay. So, am I right that orange is the best? No, I'll get argument from some of you, but what's the deal? They may look like, the, they may all look like this, or they may look a little different on the outside, but they're all the same on the inside, right? Isn't that our argument here? 
So there's always going to be someone who's going to say, well, mine's the best, mine's better, we're greater. And they'll believe that so much so that they'll try to suppress and oppress others and enslave them. And the Bible teaches us that God wants us to define people's needs so that they understand what they really need is Christ and not to control the lives of other people. But black lives do matter because they represent souls who need to be saved. But there is an effort to co-opt this matter for the sake of revenge against others, not reconciliation with God. And so what we find ourselves in a culture here is we need to know the difference. When we're being exploited or we're trying to uh, have, have revenge exacted against us, that's not about reconciliation. Acts chapter 14, verse 16 through 17 says, In the past he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts. This is my favorite part. He fills your hearts with joy. So whether the whether wherever these people groups were, whether they were believers in him or they built a uh, temples for him, or they honored him, or they mentioned his name, he still gave them plenty of food and filled their hearts with joy because God loves his creation. And what we need to do is just remind people, lead them back to this idea that God is the one who has given us life. He is the one who blesses us. He's the one that solves our problem, not telling someone else that they're lesser than us, so they must serve our interests. And that brings us to, oh, uh, I, this illustration is important because uh, there was, a, um, uh, there was a, a group of uh, pro-life advocates who wanted to, in Washington, D.C., uh, put a, put a the, you know how they've been painting on the streets, Black Lives Matter? So what they wanted to do, and they asked for a, plain, a permit where they could paint on the street, Black Preborn Lives Matter, because of the s- over 60 million abortions that have been um, uh, performed in our country since it was legalized, over a third of those have been black children, black babies in the womb. And so they feel so passionate about it, they want to say, pre-black, pre-born lives matter, and they uh, asked for a permit, they did not get it, so they went to the place to do it, and they were greeted by the police, and so instead of painting, which would have been uh, against the law or against the judgment of the mayor at the time, who had given uh, another group to ride in the street, Black Lives Matter, they decided to just put it in chalk on the sidewalk. And still, uh, some of them were arrested for breaking the law putting on the sidewalk, in chalk, black pre-born lives matter. Now, the reason I share that illustration is because we've gotten to this point where we're just kind of wacky and crazy about what really is right, what really is true. And when you will deny someone that, but then offer up the opportunity to say something else, you're missing up the whole point. It is that every life that God has created created is precious to him. And we need to help people to see that. That's our argument. That brings us to this last one, our sameless people group principle. And that is that God organized the lives of all people groups into one new humanity through Christ so that we could find reconciliation with God together and enjoy his peace. Find Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. 
It's, a, it's a, an important verse for us to look at. So we must make disciples of the truth so that people can understand this. You know, reparations are being suggested that if we really want to help uh, solve the, the racial issue, that we offer reparations to the African-American community and that that will bring peace somehow to the situation. But reparations will not bring peace. It just creates a greater sense of hostility because once you concede a point, then that point just becomes the point of agitation for people who want to take it even further the next time. Because what really needs to be repaired is our relationship with God, our relationship with Christ, because only through that can we find peace with one another. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who will call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now listen, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ as the, himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the picture of unity and peace that God offers to us as his people. And you better believe that there is a concerted effort in our country right now to convince us, our children and our grandchildren, that this is not true. Now, I recommend books on occasion. I want to recommend a book by Ben Shapiro called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps because in it he takes up this question of how there's an effort right now to destroy our Christian, our Judeo-Christian history as a country and why. And the reason is that is that if you can do away with God as the answer, then you can offer any other solution you want. And if your solution is loud enough and you can get enough people to follow you, you can tell everyone else just to shut up. And that's what we see happening in our culture and country. But God has taught us that we are to find our peace and our uni unity through Christ Jesus. Only he can break down any dividing wall of hostility. So that always has to be our go-to argument, what we always circle back around to. Now, much of what we see happening around us in our world is orchestrated and ordered and organized by those who are seeking to exploit our differences to gain some power or position over others. And the way to know that is just follow the money. Follow where all the money goes. 
And often it is done, the money goes to the people who want to put themselves in a position of power to mandate what others should do. And as for Jesus' followers, we should be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. We do not fully understand the perspective of God, the problems we've created, and the principles given to us through Christ that reconciles them. But the Bible explains that to us. And as we fully come into understanding of that, we can help others understand that as well. The WNBA also started its season uh, this past week. Uh, anybody, any WNBA fans? Does anybody want, know, know what a WNBA is? Women's National Basketball Association, right. They were frustrated. Listen to this. They were frustrated by the men in the NBA because they called what they were doing kneeling as performance, a performance act. In other words, the performance NBA players kneeling during the anthem was not, uh, was not enough. They were just performing. It was just show. So they took things a step further by leaving the court while the national anthem was being played, and they said they did that because what others were doing was not enough. Was not enough. Get used to hearing that. Because anytime you try to do anything according to man's solutions, it will never be good enough, and someone will always come and stretch it further and further and further. But we know that the answer is found in Christ. We know that we can direct them to God's perspective and help them define the problem, make them disciples of Christ by following the principle of true reconciliation and support people like Jonathan Isaac, who is out there. He's a, he's a preacher as well as a basketball player who's trying to point out what is true. As a child in my home, uh, our home was often filled up with black college students. My mom and dad, they just were the kind of people that loved to show hospitality. And they had a, they had a reason for uh, allowing these black uh, students to come to our house and eat dinner and, and hang around and watch TV. And the rule was that if you came to our house on Friday or Saturday night to watch TV or have hot dogs or whatever, then on Sunday morning you had to be up and stand on the curb when dad came by to pick them up for church. And if they did not come out and were not standing on the curb and they had been at the house on Friday and Saturday, dad went inside their dorm rooms and he got them out of bed and he got them to church. The funny thing is the preacher of the church that I grew up in, he gave my dad the Cadillac that he drove around town. It was a beautiful Cadillac. The only problem it had is it had a booger in the back window and no one ever took that booger out of the back window. But every time I walked by, I thought, that's gross. But dad drove that Cadillac around, and these kids, they were not, a lot of these kids were not wealthy kids. They were there on scholarship. They had a chance to drive around the Cadillac with, uh, with uh, big, big D, they called my dad. And he would, uh, he would haul them up to church, and mom would teach them in her class, and then they'd haul them back to school. And they did all of that uh, with, as a part of just the way that our life was at home. So I grew up with this idea here that people are just people. Now, I knew that there was something different between uh, these young men and some young women that were there. They all had a little darker skin than me, but my mom and dad just treated them like people. They just treated them with this kind of 
sameless perspective that has served me from the very beginning of my life, and that is even though we look a little different on the outside, what God really cares about is what's going on on our inside. There might be some differences on the outside that we have to kind of get over, we have to deal with, but you have to remember that God is in all of that. He created all of that. Part of that is all part of his image that he's put inside of us. There are different rituals and habits that people have But my mom and dad, they did everything they could to win the souls of those young men and women to Christ and to protect the souls of those who were already believers and their moms and dads sent them to that college in hopes that someone would show them kindness and love. So let's do the same because that is the only solution that will last and make any difference in the race wars and relations that we're having to face today.